0: Welcome once again to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Todd Walker. We've been doing this series called Sermon Extras. As you may know, that we're, ta- we're diving in a little bit deeper to something in the book of Colossians that we weren't able to really go deeply on this past Sunday. And I want to look at Colossians chapter 3 once again. That's where we were this past Sunday, verses 5 to 11. And I want to focus on one detail, one thing that really sticks out to me from that passage. On Sunday, we talked about sin. We talked about the gravity of sin, the grossness of sin, and how to fight sin, uh, both with the love of God, with the fear of God, and by treasuring Jesus Christ. But I want to talk about this idea of fighting sin to the death, because it comes up in the passage. It says in verse 5 of Colossians 3, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, period. And I want to think about this because it seems that Paul is saying fight sin to the death. And the idea is really you have to kill sin or you may die. And that really had me thinking going, wow, this is a really big, scary thing to think about. That if we aren't severe with sin, one day God will be severe with us. And that's really what he says in verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So it seems like Paul is saying, if you don't fight sin to the death, you will die. Unless you kill sin, sin will kill you. Or better yet, God will kill you because of your sin. To give a few illustrations of maybe what Paul is talking about, I just want you to think through a few of these contrasts uh, that I thought of. I'm sure all of us know what it is like to go shopping. Right. Go on a shopping trip. You go and buy something or like Janine and I do. Sometimes maybe you guys do this as well as you just go to a store to kill some time just to look around. You're not really looking for anything specific. You just want to look around, shop around, things like that. Janine and I do that to Target. We go to Target and look around sometimes. and uh, No, not really there for any reason, any purpose, but just to walk around, look around. Well. There's this other version of shopping that happens once a year. Maybe it happens more than that, but it definitely happens once a year right after Thanksgiving. And maybe you know what I'm talking about when I say that it's Black Friday shopping. I have seen Black Friday shopping up close because I worked retail for three years and every single year they make you work really long shifts on Black Friday because of course it's the time of the year when everyone is looking to buy a lot of things, a lot of things that are on sale. So here's this idea of shopping. There's, there's a general, casual shopping that you do from time to time when you need things. And then there's Black Friday shopping, which I don't know how you guys shop when you Black Friday shop. Maybe you go, maybe you don't go, maybe you go online. But I've seen Black Friday shopping up close, and this is kind of what it looks like. People are animals. <laughs> I would say it differently if I could, but I've worked Black Friday, I've seen it up close, and as soon as those doors open... People turn into animals. They are going to get the deal, the doorbusters, no matter what. And they're not going to let anyone or anything stand in their way. So I remember this one time I was working at Best Buy. This woman and this man apparently wanted the same DVD player. Apparently this DVD player was on sale. It was like $30. And this is back when DVD players were like expensive and hard to come by. And so this DVD player we had was $30. $30. And it was a really cheap DVD player, but these two people wanted that DVD player and there was only one left. You know, the entire stack was gone at this point. And so I remember these two people fighting over this DVD player and they sort of came to me to referee this fight to say, Hey, listen, the woman was saying, listen, I had it first. Now the guy took it from me and the guy's saying, you're, you're crazy. I'm the one who came to it. And I didn't know what to do. It was like, you know, whoever has it, has it. (laughs) It's kind of like a foul ball in a baseball game. If you have it now, it's yours. Um, but I saw this kind of ugly picture of shopping that when people are trying to get these door busters, they shop a lot differently than they normally would on a casual shopping trip. And so that's the idea is that there's a, there's something inside of us that if we realize we're going to get a bargain, we're going to put in the energy and the effort necessary. At least some people will. I'm not sure I'm one of those people, but so that's an an aspect of, of doing something with great intensity in order to accomplish something that's important to you. Okay. That's illustration. Number one, number two, anyone joggers out there, any people who run, I am not one of those people. I used to run a while ago, um, several years ago until I realized I don't like it. I wasn't seeing that much impact on my body and I was getting shin splints, things like that because it's Pennsylvania and we just run on Hills. So that wasn't a great thing. But I know what it's like to jog. I know what it's like to run at a leisurely pace in order to, you know, get to the miles you want to get to. It's not really a dead sprint. You're just jogging. But here's another aspect of running, okay? There's jogging, and then there's sprinting. You've seen sprints in a relay race. Excuse me, not a relay race, but an Olympic race where they they line up on the line, and the gun goes off, and they sprint. You know, they're going 100 meters or 200 meters or whatever it is and they're running as fast as they can. So that's another aspect of running, but maybe there's even an aspect of running beyond that. There's jogging, there's sprinting, and then there's this sprint that you would do if something scary was chasing you, like a bear. (laughs) If you knew you were going to get a gold medal, I'm sure you would run as fast as you could, but maybe if a bear was chasing you, you could find yourself running even faster than that because of something scary coming after you. And that's the idea here is that you're jogging. You know what it's like to run. You know what it's like to run quickly. But imagine if a bear was chasing you, how fast you'd run. You would run as fast as you possibly could to get away from danger. So that's another aspect of something we would do with great intensity if we knew that there was danger. Number three, imagine if you had to move a car in order to get it off a median that you drove over and you know it's not good for the car you're trying to get the car off the median so you can get back on the road so you're trying with all your might to push it because it's kind of stuck so imagine the strength you'd have to use to get a car off a median but what if the car wasn't on a median what if it was on a child or your child and you had to get that car off no matter what imagine the kind of strength and intensity you would use to push or even lift that car off that child because of the danger that's another aspect how about this one this one's a little uh sillier but also grave at the same time imagine if you had to walk across a really high tall beam narrow beam from one building to another right a lot of us just wouldn't even do that that's insane Who would walk on a really narrow beam several dozens of stories up in the air? If you had to, you would go very, very slowly. You would probably realize this isn't that important, whatever I'm doing this for. And you would stop. But what if you had to because the building you're coming from was on fire? And it was the only way to escape. What if that narrow beam was the only way to escape burning alive in a a tall building. You can imagine that you would go across that beam no matter how scared you were of falling because it's the only salvation you would have. In this last one, what if you had to fight a snake that got into your house or whatever and you had to kill it, you had to get it out. There was really no way, you couldn't just live with a snake, you had to get rid of it, you had to kill it. A lot of us, again, would hate that kind of thing. It would be terrifying to think that we had to kill a snake. And I'm not thinking of a huge snake, just like a, a garter snake or something small. But even if, if it was poisonous, a poisonous snake you had to fight to the death, a lot of us wouldn't want that fight, wouldn't take that fight. But what if the other option, the only other option, was to fight a lion to the death? What if you had to fight the snake or the lion and there was no option to not fight either? Which one would you choose? The snake or the ferocious lion? I can guarantee almost all of us would choose to fight the snake because it would be more manageable. There would be a lot of different ways we could defeat the snake versus the lion that we probably wouldn't defeat. The lion would be more ferocious, would have bigger teeth, would be able to overpower us, and would probably kill us. So if you had to fight the snake versus fighting the lion, I think you could if you had to. And really going back to the text, that's the idea here. Is that Paul is saying, put to death what is earthly in you. And then he lists a lot of gross, big, plaguing sins like sexual immorality and covetousness. He says these things have to be put to death. And you may look at that going, yeah, those are bad sins. I should not do those sins as a Christian. Those things are not good for Christians to do. I will try, Paul. I'll try my best to stay away from sexual immorality and covetousness. But sometimes they just get a hold of me and I fall into them. Big deal. You know, I'll do, my be- I'll do better next time. You know, ask for God to forgive me and then I'll try better next time. And Paul speaks on about this and says in verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is is coming. And that's about the most grave sentence I could ever imagine hearing. That the wrath of God is coming. So you have to do a couple things here. You have to imagine God, his bigness, his power, and then you have to imagine him angry. And it's time to punish those he's angry with. Can you imagine such a thing? I can't really imagine that. I don't really want to imagine that. But it's almost like Paul is making us imagine that, saying, listen, you need to fight your sins to the death because on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And as much as you don't want to fight your sins to the death, as much as you don't think they're that bad, they can kill you. Because if you find yourself practicing these things and the wrath of God comes, he's coming to people like, like you who practice these things. And think how scary that would be if you find yourself on the wrong side of God. If you read through the book of Revelation, there was a group of people that did find themselves on the wrong side of God. It says in Revelation that when the Lord Jesus came back, you know, he has all authority to cast people into death and Hades and hell. And that these people who were his enemies are now realizing that in the last day. And they're doing something crazy. They're asking for the mountains to fall on top of them, to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. And as soon as I read that passage for the first time, it opened my eyes because I realized how big and scary the Lord would be when it's time to judge if I was in my sin. And that was during a really sinful um, wandering period of my life and I needed to hear that because I needed to hear that Jesus is coming back to judge Sinners, the wicked, people who practice really bad sins or any sins. And so Paul says here in Colossians 3, 5, and 6, fight your sin to the death. In other words, kill it. Because if you don't kill your sin, God will kill you. And it's not saying God wants to kill you. It's not eroding the doctrines of salvation or grace or anything like that. It's just stating the fact. The wages of sin is death. And I think a lot of us think today that if we're Christians, the wages of sin isn't death. That somehow, because we're in Christ, we can play around with sin, or maybe we wouldn't put it that way, but if we find ourselves in sin, it's really not a big deal because the wages of sin won't be death for us. And I think that's a really bad doctrine. I don't think that doctrine is in Scripture. Every time I read through Scripture, it's always heightening my view of holiness and my hatred and detest for sin because of how dangerous it is. And I think the wages of sin remains death for all human beings. I don't think Christians get to avoid that. Now, the way that Christians get to avoid it is they get to not practice sins. We talked about that on Sunday, that Jesus, his very name means Savior of Sinners. And the idea is that he removes his people from the sin that will kill them. So Jesus saves us from these sinful camps, from the power of sin and death, so that we don't have to find the punishment for those sins. It doesn't mean we can still practice the sins and not go to hell. I think that's the worst doctrine I've ever heard. What it means is we get to practice new things. We get to put off sin. We get to fight sin. We get to victor over sin. And that changes things, doesn't it? Because that really means what Paul is saying here is accurate. Put your sin to death or the wrath of God will come and will judge you just like the wicked. And the difference between Christians and non-Christians is the wicked can't put their sin to death. They can't, no matter how hard they would try, even if they wanted to, which a lot of them do not want to. There's no power within them they're still stuck in their sins. The only way you get removed from that is you seek the salvation of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord is the only one who can remove the chains of sin and death. And the Christian knows that. The Christian has experienced that and realizes now sin is deadly and we mustn't practice it any longer. So once again, imagine If you had to fight sin or face the wrath of God, wouldn't that heighten your fight against sin? Wouldn't that give you a lot more intensity and and fight and punch to throw at the devil to say, listen, I'm not going to face the wrath of God. Therefore, this sin is going to die? And it's like that illustration I, I brought up about fighting the snake versus the lion. The snake is scary. But if I had to fight the snake or the lion, I pick the snake every time because I think I can overpower the snake. I think I can kill the snake if I had to. But I'm not sure I could ever beat a lion even on my best day. And that's the idea, even though that's a poor illustration. None of us can defeat God. God is almighty. God has all authority. God has invented and created a place called hell purely for the punishment of the wicked. And so he's telling Christians today, fight your sin to the death so that you do not have to fight God. Wouldn't you rather fight sin than fight God? When it's put that way, it's, it's as obvious as anything has ever been in my mind. I would much rather fight my sin than fight God. So really, it, it comes down to, if that's true, it just comes down to do you believe? that sin is deadly? Do you believe that God hates sin? Do you believe that God will judge the wicked? And do you believe that Jesus can help you victor over that sin? It comes down to pure belief. And the reason we know this is because if you remember from chapter one, this church that he's talking to, which is already a big point, he's not talking to the wicked. This isn't an evangelism speech he's giving. He's talking to a church who has already been redeemed. But in chapter one it tells us that colossians is a good church it has faith in christ and love for all the saints so it's not like the colossians who was kind of a mess it wasn't like the galatians who was kind of a mess the colossians had their act together and yet still here in chapter three paul warns them of the wrath of god to say you cannot play around with sexual immorality and covetousness and all these other sins that he mentions And expect to be safe on the last day. You can't. You must put them to death. And the Lord will help you put them to death. And the fact that the reason he's telling you this today is so that he wants you to avoid the wrath of God. Excuse me, the wrath of God. So I need us to all think about that today and wrap our minds around that today because I think we need to take our fight against sin much, much higher and greater. To not go, oh, I'll try my best. Or, yeah, I really shouldn't. Or, whoops, what a bad season I fell into there. And, you know, Christians shouldn't do that. But to say, I won't. I mustn't. I can't practice these sins. Otherwise, I'm flirting with the wrath of God. That has to be cemented in your mind. And the idea here is that the fear of God is supposed to be an ally and a weapon in your fight against sin. The the end goal here is not for us to walk on eggshells. It's to give us fight. It's to give us strength and resolve to kill sin. So even the fear of God here is a present from God because God himself does not want us to face his wrath. But God is holy and just and righteous and no practicing wicked people are going to enter into his gates one day. And you and I have to know that. That Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. It says in 1 John 3, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Not to allow us to continue in sin and just not find the punishment for it. That's a God-hating doctrine. That doesn't help us love God. What helps us love God is when we can fight sin, put it to death, walk in holiness, and once And for all, be useful to God for whatever he desires. And that's heavy, and I know that that's heavy, but Paul speaks about it for our benefit. So that one day we will have treasure upon treasure. We will be richly welcomed into the kingdom of God because we didn't practice sin, because we were holy people, because we did follow Jesus Christ. And it's obvious based upon our actions, based upon our lifestyle. So, how hard will you fight sin based on this truth? For me, it gives me a great intensity, a great resolve to say sin must die because I do not want to die. I do not want to be separated from the Lord on the last day. I do not want to find out what the wrath of God looks like. So sin must die. And even the biggest, baddest sins out there are not as big and scary as God. So fight your sin today and do it in the strength that the Lord provides because none of us can fight this sin without Christ. But if you lean upon Christ and go to Christ and confess your sins to Christ and use scripture in prayer and the church, you can kill sin. He's not teasing us here. You can put sin to death. In fact, we must put sin to death. So I pray that you'll hear this today, listen to this today, and fight. Get up today, put up your fists spiritually, and fight. And may God help us all. So that one day, he and I and you and him can have perfect fellowship for all of eternity. May God bless the reading and the understanding of his word. We thank you once again for listening.